Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Gabbing with Gib. I'm your host, Gibson Johns, and today we have one of our occasional, totally non-reality TV, totally non-Bravo-related episodes of the show that comes sporadically when I have the itch to talk about another pop culture topic that I care about or have the opportunity to interview a great guest. Today, both of those things are true. It's all about Beyonce today, who just launched Act 2 of her Renaissance project, which she announced via Super Bowl commercial for Verizon, which was followed up by the immediate release of two songs, Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages, which are unabashedly country. Chances are you know all of this, but just in case you don't, I just wanted to give you the background. The sound and genre jump from Act 1's house and disco-inspired music to songs that wouldn't sound out of place on the country chart took many by surprise. If you weren't paying attention, this came completely out of left field. But if you were, you had either heard the rumors that Act 2 would in fact be at least country-inspired, and or remember that she released a full-blown country song called Daddy Lessons on her 2016 album Lemonade, a song which she then performed on the CMA Awards with the Chicks. And that performance incited a lot of backlash from a subset of country music fans who thought that Beyonce had no place in country music. So in reality, Beyonce, who was born to Southern parents in Houston, Texas, and has been known to wear a cowboy hat or Western-inspired clothing throughout her career, has always been country. Some people just weren't paying attention. And it's an argument that my friend Taylor Crumpton made in a viral piece she wrote for Time following the release of the latest two Beyonce songs, which was titled, Beyonce Has Always Been Country. It was shared all across social media, including by Beyonce's own mother, Tina Knowles, and her longtime publicist, Yvette Noel Schur. So I invited Taylor to come on the podcast today to talk about the article and use it as a jumping off point to discuss this larger moment in Beyonce's career and beyond. I've been wanting to do a Beyonce episode for a while. I did a Taylor Swift episode back in November, and they're the two singers that I have seen live the most. I first saw Beyonce live during her 2007 The Beyonce Experience Tour, and I've since been to every single one of her tours with the one exception of On the Run 2. Yes, including Beachella. One of my biggest regrets in life was not seeing Destiny's Child live on tour. Though I did see them briefly reunite at Beachella, I still need to see a full Destiny's Child concert before I die. It's on the bucket list. Anyway, 
Taylor and I had a fantastic conversation about Beyonce, so I hope you enjoy it. And if you do like this conversation and are enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe to Gabbing with Gib wherever you're listening to this right now. And please take a moment to give us a five-star rating or leave us a nice review. I'd really appreciate it. I want to gab. Okay, today we're gabbing with pop culture writer Taylor Crumpton, who has long been a social media pal of mine and whose writing I have always loved. Last week, an article that Taylor wrote for Time called Beyonce Has Always Been Country went viral and was shared by the likes of Beyonce's longtime publicist and her mother, Tina Knowles. Today, I wanted to have Taylor on to discuss the article, Beyonce's country moment overall, the Renaissance project overall this point in Beyonce's career, and a lot more. Anything else we want to get into? Taylor, congrats on all the attention that this great article has gotten. How are you feeling right now? You know, it's excitement twofold because I listen to you once a week. So it's like I get to be on the podcast that I do my laundry to. (laughs) And number two, like I'm a Black girl from Texas. So like Beyonce has been a part of my life since girlhood. So the back-to-back shares literally had me like screaming. I screamed like Megan was on the Renaissance tour. And I was like, I love you, Beyonce, was me in my house. That was you. You were Megan Thee Stallion on stage. I love it. I love that. So, okay, I I wanted to start off by just like sharing our first memories of Beyonce. or I'm guessing it was tied to Destiny's Child. But what was your first memory of Beyonce or kind of seeing her in any capacity in the world? You know, I was a 106 in Park baby, MTV, TRL. My first job I ever wanted was to be like a radio DJ. Uh-huh. And Texas is really big in like radio. We're like one of the biggest states, biggest markets. So I remember hearing her as a little girl. And it was mostly her accent because my accent when I was younger was so thick. They sent me to speech classes. No so way. I, wow. It's still thick now, depending on like the friend. But that was something where I was like, oh, there's someone on radio who sounds like me and looks like me and has braids like me. I'm a Leo. So my mom always put me in like golden honey blonde braids. So like even before the music, I was like, I want to be her. Oh, I love that. Leo as well. We're fellow Leos. So for you, it really was seeing yourself reflected in somebody who had this big spotlight on them, which was not happening all the time so she Beyonce was a fairly rare black woman who was being upheld in the spotlight of popular culture around the turn of the millennium and you just saw yourself in her and that's pretty special really yeah she's someone who you know as I've grown up like from the tumblr girl who was like Mm -hmm. resharing feminist theory to going to undergrad and graduate school I feel like I've grown up with her not only into like my identity as a black woman but socially and politically so this moment kind of feels like the culmination of all of my identities yeah that's really special and you also love country music can you tell me just like the tldr on your love of country music because we're obviously gonna we're talking about how those have intersected in this moment right now but what what country music did you really like when you were growing up as well you know both of my parents are from the south my dad's uh-huh. son is from mississippi my mom is from texas so every time we spent a little bit of the summers in the family farm that my dad used to own or when I'm with my grandparents, country music is always on on the radio. I mean, it was a constant rocks, blues, country, Ray Charles, Bobby Womack, 
and me being the nerdy girl was always sitting right next to them. So I kind of feel like <laughs> I got it from osmosis. And then I think some people forget I went to college in the country in Abilene, Texas. So the only bar we had was a country two stepping wow. line bar. So I have always been in the country, whether it's the, the music, the culture. And I've been writing about it since 2019. So it's always been in the background, but it's always been a part of me. Yeah, love that. So, okay, let's jump into the article first. Again, I want to use that as sort of a jumping off point for all of this. Um, you open your piece by saying that the greatest lie country music ever told was convincing the world that it is white. And then you follow it up at the end of that paragraph by saying the lie became the truth. And I know there's a very long history that ties into all of this, and that that could be a, probably a whole podcast series. But just so that people listening are sort of aware of that sort of baseline truth and and the the roots that country music has in Black culture, can you just like give us the Cliff Notes version of like of that history? Of course, you know the Carter family is known as the first family of country, and they have their big break in this thing called the Bristol Sessions. It's called the Big Bang of country music. That's when the record companies started, you know, appealing to this new consumer market that had radios in their home, which is so weird for us to think about now. The unfortunate moment is that when the Carters got their big shine, all of their musicality and their styles were ripoffs of African-Americans in the Appalachians that they met through their friend, Leslie Riddle, who is the pioneer of hillbilly music. He is the goat, I think we could say, of modern day country music. But when it was time to become commercialized and commodified, he was erased from the history and the Carter mm -hmm. family never brought him up. And unfortunately, there's a lot of story like Leslie Riddle that are in the history of country music, where these contributions by Linda Martell, Dee Bird Bradley, Ray Charles, I think people forget Tina Turner's first album when she left Ike was country music. So we have always been popping up in this space, but we've always been grotesquely mistreated or not been paid adequately or given our rewards. So it's really difficult to see, you know, who got first before Beyonce and it ends up being Linda Martell, right? But that story has been lost to time but you have folks like Rissy Palmer mm -hmm. and you know the Black Opry who are really bringing those stories to light so it's kind of like this beautiful renaissance if you will of mm -hmm. Black people in country. Yeah totally and and you also talk about in your piece how like already I mean Beyonce just dropped these two songs and that's sort of that's all she's given us so far of this act two of this country act two but already the people that are, are some of the people that you just named or some people who have worked on these first two tracks or people who just exist in the country music landscape already right now, they're already kind of being uplifted by the fact that she's stepping into this space in a big way, right? Yeah, I love getting texts from my friends in Nashville. Like, we have to hop on TV in Scotland or Ireland or England. And that's something that they never had before this moment. So the Beyonce effect is really real because those people who have been doing the work are finally receiving their flowers. Yeah. And it's, and I want to get into this later, but like, it's also, it reflects what she did with part one, which was when she was uplifting queer black culture and some of the, the figures and kind of unheralded architects of that movement as well also got uplifted via that music. So we can get into sort of the Renaissance thing overall later on. But you also say in your piece, she did not need white validation to classify her country. She has been country for the entirety of her life. She grew up in Houston. 
you know, she's always worn like Western inspired clothing and accessories throughout her career. She released a, a, an overt country song as part of Lemonade, Daddy Lessons, and she performed at the CMA. So like this moment isn't as left field as some people are making it out to be. Is that part of the reaction that you've seen online since she dropped those two songs on Super Bowl Sunday? How have you been able to make sense of some of the reaction to to the beginnings of this era? You know, the myth of country music is that it's supposed to be something that is straight and white and male, right? So when I say those three distinctions, that also takes into account the mistreatment that Taylor Swift, that Casey Musgraves, that Marin Morris have all experienced. It's right. supposed to be this cowboy, right? But by Beyonce showing up as a cowboy, as a cowgirl, as an outlaw, it messes with this narrative, this myth, this narrative, this preconceived notion of what country is. When even when the Yeehaw agenda came out, it was to inform people that 50% of cowboys in the United States were African American, and a large mm -hmm. amount of them were also Mexican and indigenous. So I think it's funny how people are saying that she's not country when inherently she might be the most country thing in this nation, right? The descendants of that. And it's interesting how so many country music scholars have been saying this for years, but this is the moment where it's taken seriously. Totally. And do you, do you have the sense that like, this is something that she's always sort of wanted to tap into in a larger way because it is so kind of tied to her identity and, and her roots or do you like, do you think that this is always sort of something that she would eventually want to do is make a country album? Yeah, she, over the past couple of years, has been playing with this idea of home and identity. I mm. think we've seen it more in her becoming a mother and this relationship that she has with Mama Tina, who, in the post that she shared of my Which Had the Time article, she talked about, you know, her growing up around cowboys and her growing up with horses. So this is something that has always been a part of her. And I think as we get older and we mature, maybe it's inner child work, inner teenage work, whatever thing our therapist mm -hmm. suggests, we want to start tapping back into the things that brought us joy as a girl. And for Beyonce, that is country and that is cowboy. And I think that's something that she can share with her daughters, which is really beautiful. Totally. Yeah, there's like, there's the, this inherent nostalgia that, that's tied to this whole thing for her. And, it, and it, it makes it even more endearing, honestly. I feel like Beyonce has spent the past like 10 plus years of her career kind of building up a pretty big wall for herself. And I think that there was this sort of like air of perfection about her and and she wasn't very accessible. She doesn't, she famously didn't do interviews for like over 10 years too. And I feel like that that, that nostalgia, that idea that she's tapping into an earlier version of herself perhaps ties into what I feel like I've noticed in the past year since the Renaissance tour began, where it's like a little bit more, it's a looser version of Beyonce. It's a sillier version yeah. of Beyonce. We saw it in the documentary. We see it on stage a lot with her now. She shows up to, she showed up to walk to New York fashion week and like interacted with some fans. And there's all these little moments that add up and you're realizing that like, Oh, maybe she's kind of taking some of those bricks out of that wall that she spent so long building up. Do you, do you feel the same way? Yeah, you know, she is a student of, of Tina Turner, of Michael Jackson, of all the Black entertainers before her. And be, part of being a student is realizing how they were vilified in the press, right? I think she has always resonated with Tina Turner. She calls Tina Turner her second Tina. She thanks Tina Turner for, as I quoted, 
another country girl being in the world, right? Another black girl from the country. So I think even that little message in 2017 was telling us something. Yeah. And she had to protect herself because, you know, back in the day when she started to maybe about 10 years ago, there was so many questions about weight and dating and stuff that wasn't very much focused on her music. And for any of us who watched her documentaries, you heard her vocalize, like, I just want to be like Nina Simone. I want people to hear my voice and my art. And I think that's why she stopped doing interviews. And now that she's in control of her art, she has her businesses, Parkwood, Ivy Park, her hair care line. Now I think she feels safe enough to kind of come forward and interact with us again. And I also feel like it ties into this. I don't know, I was trying to think about why this this moment was like good for her to again sort of open up a little bit more than she has been in the past decade and I'm like there's obviously this want of hers to continue to build her legacy and her impact and and make a lot of change and all these things and I wonder if like being inaccessible or kind of like kind of being it was never impersonal but there was just kind of like again the, it, we didn't know much about her for a little bit there and I feel like maybe we need some of that to help, you know, her impact be felt even stronger. You know what I mean? Does that does that make sense? It makes complete sense. I even think about on tour when she had that I'm not a machine. And yes. she also feels that, right? She feels that people don't think of her as human, as this robot. And I think that's what I liked about the film and the tour. You saw the silliness, you saw the laughter, you saw the vulnerability. And that's something that we saw in self-titled and lemonade, but we're getting a more comprehensive view of it now. Mm -hmm. So circling back to the country stuff, you tweeted in March of 2023. My hypothesis is that part two of Renaissance will be Beyonce's long awaited country album. She is coming for everything they, in quotes, in parentheses, the modern day country industry stole from black people. Where did that intuition come from a year ago, basically? It's so funny because my intuition predates that. So when Ivy Park had a rodeo collection, mm. the press release was about the untold history of black cowboys and black cowgirls. And I remember at the time she did an exclusive with the Houston Chronicle, which is her hometown paper. And I was like, she's signaling something to us. But also I bought the acid straps and I looked good in them. And I loved it. <laughs> So I think like it was like part like fangirl and then my journalist brain was like, she takes a long time to tell us what's coming. Right. Then I saw the Renaissance tour and she had the cowboy outfits and I said, okay, Act 2 is going to be a country album. She's signaling this and I think there's an interview with someone on her team that got deleted from the internet where they said that the cowboy outfits were because of her mistreatment at the CMA awards and she mm. started researching about black cowboys, black cowgirls, and black country artists. And then if you had another layer, Mama Tina's from Galveston. Galveston is the birthplace of Juneteenth. And her mother also has childhood stories of horses and cowboys. So once I put all the puzzle pieces together, I was like, there's no way in hell that this is not a country album. And when I saw the Super Bowl commercial, I mean, my phone was blowing up. I had an asthma attack. I was like, I did it. I have predicted <laughs> the world. <laughs> you solved the riddle. I love it. Let's talk about that CMA moment a little bit, because I think that came at a, at a time we were just discussing sort of when 
Beyonce would never wouldn't really show us her reaction to things, and it wasn't we weren't getting the access. But it, it it it's hard to imagine that not impacting somebody. She she shows up at the CMAs. It's sort of this big surprise thing. Everyone in the room seems to be going crazy for it. She's performing with the chicks. A large swath of the viewers have a negative reaction to it. They they kind of say this is not her space. She shouldn't be there. She's taking attention away from people. Yada yada yada. Do you remember? Were you watching the CMAs that night? I remember I was covering it for work. So I remember watching it and loving the performance and then seeing the reaction. It was their highest rated 15 minutes in the history of the CMA Awards. What what was your reaction back then? And what, I don't know, what, what do you perceive as sort of like the importance of that moment for Beyonce? No, for Black people who like country, you almost had to love it in secret, right? I think mm. Dr. Francesca Roster relates being a Black country fan to queer theory, where it's something that is a part of you, but you feel like you can't express it outwardly, right? right? And the thing about country music is because it has aligned itself with so many things that are oppressive to Black women, to Black people, to queer and trans folks. For me, as a person who is Black and female and queer, it felt like I had to keep this to myself. And even when I found white country fans, there was still some distinct barriers that they're like, why do you like this out of mm. everything in the world? So when Beyonce came with the chicks, I mean, it's Texas on Texas. I grew up with the chicks. I grew up with Beyonce. Eight-year-old me is screaming. But to see the online reaction to it and for this performance to come at a time in popular culture where it's aligned with the Black Lives Matter movement, where it's aligned with Say Her Name, or a lot of social justice, racial justice movements are going on, people just automatically looked at Beyonce's Blackness as a threat, as something that was unwelcome. And it was sad in the days afterwards that the lead, chick of, the lead singer of the Chicks said that she would never return to the CMAs mm -hmm. because how Beyonce and her band members were treated backstage. And that kind of reinforces that, that kind of queer perspective of being a Black country fan, like, oh, I can't even go to the party because I'm going to be mistreated at the party. I can't even listen to the music because maybe the person who makes this music doesn't like me. So to bring it now, it kind of erases all of those barriers, all right. of those thoughts, all of those ideologies where mm. I can like this because Beyonce likes it. And if I can be really sweet for a moment, uh, some of the messages that I got from my piece were for older Black women that were like, I have only listened to this in my house. Thank you for writing this for me. Mm. And I've always kind of felt that that kinship where I knew that there were other out there like me who loved this. So to see this from people who were like my mom's age, my aunt's age, I think that shows like on a deeper level what this moment means. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's really special. I'm like tearing up thinking of it. And that's that's really special. I'm and I can't even imagine sort of how you feel receiving those messages and just given your own identity and where you come from. So that's that's incredible. I'm really happy that you're hearing from people like that. And, you know, as part of this moment, Beyonce did align herself with the chicks who are a band that I love, but they are no kind of strangers to controversy within the country music establishment themselves. You know, they were rejected by the establishment kind of a decade before that over a decade before that performance. And uh, what do you make of her decision to align with them at that moment? Because she, in the back of her mind, or even in the forefront of her mind, she had to have known that that would also, in and of itself, be making a statement as well. 
Yeah, she's a Virgo. Virgos grew, do nothing without <laughs> intention. So this was not that just part. like Texas on Texas. I think she respects what the chicks did in the country music yeah. space because at the time for them to critique George Bush for the Iraq war, which us decades later, you know, everybody knows that what they said was right was kind of like, if I'm going to have this moment in the sun, I'm going to bring you with me because I believe in you. I believe what you have done for women. I believe in the power of women's voices. I think it was a good example of intersectional feminism in the country music space. And it reminds me of what Marin Morris did when she got her CMA award and thank black women in country music, right? These yeah. bonds and these relationships because they've both been taken advantage by the machine in country music, but they know that their voices are stronger together. Mm. Broadly speaking about the Renaissance project overall, part mm -hmm. one was dance music. It was sort of this reclaiming of Black queer music and, and the impact that they had had on the dance music industrial complex without credit over the years. Part two is doing the same for country music. And there's this idea that part three could potentially do that for rock and roll. And and that's sort of the the now the driving theory of like what what this three act project is going to be. In your eyes, what is this several year project? It could I feel like this could be like a six to eight year thing. Honestly, who knows how long this will last? But how does this fit into Beyonce's larger career? What does it what does it tell you about the the point that she's gotten to in her life and career? No, Beyonce has transitioned from an entertainer to a historian, right? Yeah. She's almost the college, the most accessible college professor in the world, right? Because when Beyonce <laughs> does something, you have academic scholars, journalists, critics, educators, politicians, all talking about the same thing. That's why she joked in the commercial, I'm running for Beyonce in the United States. Yep. When she does something, the world stops. So because she has this power and she harnesses it for good, she is, I think, filling the gaps in a lacking music education, right? She is making folks aware of these histories that may not be taught in schools, that have been lost to time, that for a lot of African-American folks, we pass down our traditions orally, so they're not always in the history book. Right. And by doing that with dance music, we saw so many queer and trans and non-binary elders come out and say, thank you for giving us your flowers. Thank you for allowing us to be on this track, I think of T.S. Madison and how their career has ascended to another level because of them being on act one. Act two, you know, we're seeing musicians like Britney Spencer, Tanner Adele, Allison Russell, getting these flowers, getting these interview requests, getting, you know, attention in Scotland and Ireland, way <laughs> exactly. where, where Nashville is. And she is doing that, I think, out of the goodness of her heart and trying to pay it forward and not in, I think, some type of like self-religious I am God way, but I'm a Black girl from the South who wants everybody to win. I think she is the girl's girl and she's just putting that in her music in a way that is challenging us to think and it's pushing a lot of conversations forward. A hundred percent. And Renaissance, the world tour came last year which was kind of, it's largely hailed as this year where like the female consumer was finally taken seriously and was really kind of fed with Barbie and Beyonce and Taylor and a variety of other things. But those were kind of the three biggest driving forces, I think, as part of that conversation. And, and within that is this Taylor and Beyonce conversation, which I, I find interesting, not in terms of like 
comparing them and pitting them against one another, but more in just terms of like watching these two titans of their industry, of the same industry, have two massive years, world-breaking tours, the whole nine yards, and and seeing sort of the similarities and differences highlighted as, as part of the, as, as watching that success in both of them. I'm just curious, again, as, as a scholar who who writes about these these kind of ideas, what did you make of that of 2023 as it pertains to the Beyonce and Taylor of it all? And what did it tell you? It told us that there are more powers in number than anything else in this world, right? The common theme between Barbie and Renaissance and Air is that everybody was invested in the female story. And we know yeah. that as everyone who is not you know, heterosexual or a, a male, we are all victims and subjected to these oppressive systems that deny us personhood, that deny us things that are unalienable rights. And we saw that in Barbie and we saw that in Renaissance and we saw that in Ares Tour and that through line, it just presented as different expression and presentations in pop culture. So there was a diversity of representation. Maybe you weren't an heiress person, but you had Renaissance. Maybe you weren't Renaissance and heiress, but you had Barbie. And one thing that I appreciated about Beyonce and Taylor Swift is that they supported each other, yes. right? They went to each other's premiere. Even Taylor Swift waxed poetically about what has Beyonce has done for her in the music industry, not only as a woman, but as an artist showcasing independence and not being taken advantage of by predatory deals and record companies, right? There was a camaraderie that I think we haven't seen in pop culture in a long time for so many different women of races, ethnicities, gender, sexual orientation to find something and to unite around that. And that's why we spent all this money. We were so happy. Exactly. I mean, girls were in pink, girls were in chrome. Girls were in friendship bracelets. And when I mean girls, I mean, anybody can be a girl. I'm being very gender fluid Absolutely. and expressive. Okay. Yes. No, I, that, that's perfectly said. And, you know, more recently, I think part of that conversation is the Grammys and, and sort of that whole thing that happened recently. And Beyonce doesn't get album of the year and Taylor does. And I, again, this is not about them too, but it's more about, I hear people say a lot as it pertains to this conversation that like, it doesn't matter to Beyonce. And, and, and it doesn't, it, it, they assume that like Beyonce couldn't care less, mm -hmm. but you know, I see Jay-Z's speech where he calls attention to that. You see how kind of emotional she was getting from the audience watching that. I see just kind of how often Beyonce and Jay-Z choose to attend the Grammys just in general as it meaning something to them, you know? So I think it's, it's hard, it's hard for me to believe that Beyonce doesn't want this. Beyonce doesn't want album of the year i think that she has deserved it several times over but she still has not gotten it what do you think what do you think of the fact that beyonce is still not one album of the year despite having you know you can count three four five albums that have really changed the industry in a lot of ways mm -hmm. the grammy has always had a contentious race relationship with black music especially hip-hop which is why jay-z brought up jazzy jeff and the fresh right. prince there has always been tension, right? And that tension is just a byproduct of what happens in the record industry with Black music, right? Relating back to the country conversation, you like our creative production and ideas, but you will never give us the acknowledgement and the recognition you deserve. Just like Beyonce's star power and shedding a light to those untold history and stories, a Grammy and a record of the year Grammy is a signal from the institution 
that this is something that needs to be archived and documented and preserved because we have said so. You know, her sister so infamously, you know, said, bite the hand, build your own institution, do your own Grammys. Even Jay-Z has a lyric about the Grammys, right? So in her inner circle, in her family, her husband, her sister, have been very vocal about the recording at the Academy and the Grammys. Yes. But Beyonce knows that there is a history and a recognition and something about a Grammy that can open a door mm-hmm. that still is needed for her in her career. You know, I think people were kind of taken back about when she talked about still not being heard and prioritized on her own tour during the right. film, that she still is subjugated to gender discrimination and racial discrimination and the intersection of those two. So to me, her not getting the record of the year, Grammy, is that stark reminder that you can be one of the most powerful women in the world, yet you still are a Black woman. You still experience these things. And that's why the Beehive and I think all of the allies felt for her in that moment because it almost seems like there is nothing she can do for this institution to reward her because she's a Black woman. And that's something that I think a lot of us, even more than media or music, feel on an everyday basis. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like if Beyonce, if Beyonce is still not getting that, then what does it say about everybody else who isn't at her level and or her, is coming after her? And it brings up this idea again, not to get ahead of ourselves. We've only heard two songs from this album and whatever, but what would it mean theoretically or just in her fantasy if she finally won Album of the Year? for a country album. To me, that makes that it heightens the the statement that that would make. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it, it's a complicated, it's a complicated statement. It, complicated is such a sweet way of- Yeah, very much so. I realize of, that. Of, of putting it because, you know, it's, it's a question if the same people who denied her the Grammy nomination for Daddy Lessons were saying that it wasn't a country song. Exactly. Are those members still on the committee? Have they mm. changed? Have they grown? Is the committee more diverse? Even if they're a device, diverse committee, will the powers that be allow it, right? That's kind of what happened with her not being played on the country radio stations. Will the gatekeepers let her in? And even yeah. if they do let her in, will the song be played enough to receive eligibility? And then it becomes, you know, the... Grammy chapters and the politics and the bureaucracy and the red tapes of it. I'm a non-voting member. I have friends who are voting members. I pray for them every nomination season. (laughs) But in a dream world where she would get that, it would acknowledge every single first in country music that has come before her. Not even only first Black, but first woman, first Indigenous, first Latinx, first Tijano, right? And it would... I think validate and honor a lineage that has been lost and intentionally not talked about. I think it would be a monumental moment, not only for music, but I think American history overall. And, you know, the Recording Academy has the chance to make history. I think it has the chance to correct a lot of historical wrongs. However, if they correct it, that means they have to be held into account. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like accountability. So that is the question we will see. <laughs> next. Absolutely. How many chances have they had to make history that they did not take? So yeah, it's complicated, but it, and it, this whole moment has been so, I'm so excited to see what else this, this act two has in store for us because 
again, we've only heard two songs and they're great, but it's like, what, what are the visual going to, what's, if we get, if we get a visual, but what, what is that going to be? You know what I mean? And uh, the possibilities, Taylor, are just exciting. They're exciting. All I know is for all of my friends who didn't like Ivy Park Rodeo and were like, why are you buying these straps? Why do you have this denim court fit? Well, look who's going to be in Ivy Park Rodeo. Come tour the Vegas residency, baby. And I already have gold cowboy boots. I am ready. I have gold behind me. It is going to be a moment <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> do, you think, do you think it's going to be the sphere or do you think we're getting a tour? What do you think? You know, she's a Virgo. So her having that sphere was like, well, girl, we do have the Olympics this summer. She loves going to Europe. So I wouldn't say that the tour is going to happen this summer. But the sphere is there all year round. People going to Vegas all year round. That's true. So it makes sense to do it after the summer, after the Olympics. It's insulated. She can have her kids. I'm not saying a Beyonce psychic, but a lot of people doubted me and I proved them wrong. So I agree. I agree. I, I will just say selfishly, I'm like, I like hearing country music outside in those more like amphitheater venues. That to me would be the dream, uh, you know, environment to hear act two in. I'll take whatever. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm putting my own little uh, <laughs> opinion in there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Taylor, is there anything else that that's been on your mind as it pertains to Beyonce that you're like, oh, like I want to write an article about that or oh, like I didn't get to include this in the piece. Is there anything else that we have not talked about that's front of your mind? You know, I wish I could write a follow up with all of the messages that I've been receiving from people. My Venus is in Leo and my love language is words of affirmation. So if I could take a scrapbook of messages from artists from fans from elders and just write maybe response to I didn't know that this was going to open up a window of healing for so many people not only in the nation or across the world and give everybody those feelings and see people to read those messages that have me crying in my bed I think that's the only mm -hmm. thing I wish I could see is that this moment is more than you know what some people say a capitalist ploy or X, Y, and Z about Beyonce. This moment is to make space and create space for a lot of people who have been unheard and untold and ashamed. And it's feeling like a spirit of openness. And I think that's what we need the most right now is for people to just put on some boots and line dance with their friends. I think that's the perfect note to end on, Taylor. <laughs> and now, and you're, you're making me want to go line dance to Texas Hold'em. Taylor... Again, I'm I'm so happy we had this conversation. I learned so much from you and I, from your past work and from today. Uh, where can people follow you? I'm going to link to your article in the show notes. But where can people follow you? Find your, the rest of your work because I'm sure there's a lot more a lot more great stuff to come from you. Oh, you know I'm ready, baby. So you can follow me at, at Taylor Crumpton. It's the same tag across socials. And yeah, I'm just so happy to be here. Dream come true. Long time listener. So thank you for making my dream. first time guest, not last time. <laughs> no, ne next time, next time we will talk Bravo stuff. I promise. But I like to do the occasional non Bravo moment. And this felt like the right moment and the right person to have that conversation. So thanks for doing this. And we'll, we'll have our, our larger Bravo chat at some point. I promise. Right. Thank you. <laughs> thank love. you so much. Thank you for listening to the show. 
Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes. And subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And keep up with all things Gabbing with Gabe at Gabbing with Gabe on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gabe is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth, and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest booking, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support, and see you next time.